So at the end of the sitting today, uh, I chanted the five subjects for frequent, frequent recollection, which is one of the chants that we often do in our retreats and classes. We've done many times, <coughs> often over the years. Uh, if you go to the monasteries uh, in Asia or here, the Theravada monasteries, this is a chant that's often, uh, often practiced. The chant is, uh, among other things, you know, and primarily an opportunity for reflection, uh, as it as it indicates, you know, subjects for recollection, subjects for reflection. Uh, you know, this is a skill that's very important, and and some and a practice uh, rec, uh, reflection that's very important for us uh, in following the Dharma and following the Buddhist teachings. It's kind of. Uh, you know, a little bit countercultural. You know, we tend not to be so reflective in our culture. I think largely because we figure we don't have time to reflect on uh, on you know, the meaning of life and you know, the purpose of why we're here and what we want out of this brief human experience that we have. We're, you know, we're too busy for, for those for those questions and types of reflections and to reflect on the truth of our human experience and how we might make the most of this time that we have. But in the Dharma, it's important that we take time to reflect. Uh, you know, and reflection is a skill. It's a, res it's a skill. Uh, reflection, and you know, in practicing reflection, we're not really thinking about uh, these questions or these subjects. We're not thinking about them. Uh, we want to develop uh, an understanding through reflection that's deeper, that transcends thinking or an understanding that transcends an understanding that we might have in the head, an intellectual understanding, we want a deeper understanding. So we're not thinking about these subjects for recollection, uh, but we have to use some thinking, what we sometimes call fabrication or internal fabrication, to guide us to a deeper understanding. So oftentimes we use questions, how can I make the most out of this life? You know, how can I find meaning in this life? What's an expression of loving kindness for myself? We might ask questions, or we might uh, acknowledge certain truths. I am subject to aging. I am subject to illness. We might acknowledge certain truths by using words, fabrication, but then we sort of let go of the words. One of the ways that we might want to think about that is we sort of let the fabrication drop down into the body. So there's more of a felt sense, right? We talk about this a lot a felt sense of the words, a felt sense of the words, a felt sense of the question. And through the body, we're able to connect to an understanding in the heart. And this is what our, our goal, if you will, in reflection is to connect to the truth in the heart. And that the heart understands that we're subject to illness and aging and death and separation, you know, in, the way, in a way that the mind can't really quite understand that. It understands these deep truths. Uh, you know, in, in the chanting, you know, particularly when we chant together, you know, it's kind of unfortunate on Zoom that we really can't chant, but, you know, I try to chant in a way that I'm emulating all of us chanting. But, you know, the idea of the chant, particularly when we do it together, is it moves us down below the level. You know, it's not devotional. It's not meant to be devotional in Theravada practice. It's meant to help us reflect on important truths and questions that we have to ask. So the chant helps us connect, like music does,
to a deeper understanding that transcends an intellectual understanding to an understanding of the heart. Uh, the chant also helps us kind of connect to that deeper understanding because it's tied to a lineage. People have been chanting in this way for thousands of years. So in this particular chant, uh, you know, what the Buddha is telling us in this chant and in the Sutta that the chant derives from is these are important things to reflect on. These are important truths to, uh, for us to reflect on. I am subject to aging. I'm subject to illness. I'm subject to death. Death is unavoidable. I will grow different, separate from all that is dear, dear and appealing to me. All the beings who are dear and appealing to me, I will grow separate from. You know, they'll be in my life and then they'll pass in various ways. You know, we lose all these beings that we know and that we've known and all the things and all the places and all the experiences that we've had uh, will come and go, we'll be separated from them. So, uh, you know, as Dharma students were asked to uh, understand these truths, you know, to reflect on these truths and come to understand these truths, to understand these truths in the heart, you know, and, and part of uh, this uh, experience of understanding, of course, includes acceptance, includes acceptance. And we talked about acceptance last week, you know, and uh, the mind has a hard time accepting these things, you know. In the heart, there is acceptance. You know, this is a quality of the heart, equanimity, acceptance. The mind has a hard time accepting, uh, but the heart accepts uh, that this is the truth because it knows that this is the way it is. This is the truth. This is the truth for me, and it's the truth for all beings. You know, in the Sutta, that uh, the chant again derives from, uh, you know, the, the Buddha suggests that we chant these, uh, uh, that, we, that we reflect on these elemental truths of sickness, aging, death, and separation. Uh, and then a little bit further down in the Sutta, and I put it in the notes, you can read it after the class when you have a chance, he says, you know, first he says, reflect, I am subject to aging, I am subject to illness. And then, then he says, now a disciple of the Noble Ones considers this, I am not the only one subject to aging who has not gone beyond aging, to the extent that there are beings, past and future, passing away and re-arising. All beings are subject to aging. All beings are subject to aging. And then he repeats that with sickness, uh, with illness and with death and with separation. All beings, all beings. You know, we talked about this a little bit last week, how we kind of take these things personally. Why is this happening to me? It's happening, not just happening to you, it's happening to everyone. This is the truth of the human condition. This is the truth of the human condition that we're subject uh, to sick, sickness, aging, death, and separation. And these truths are unavoidable. This is part of life. Now, these truths are difficult to accept uh, because they're painful, you know. Uh, these are painful experiences. So, you know, part of our uh, part of our acceptance includes, you know, an understanding that these things are painful. You know, illness is painful. Aging is painful. It's painful physically and it's painful emotionally. You know, I mean, anybody here, you know, who's of a certain age can certainly attest to the the pain of aging physically and, 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 and mentally. And death is painful. 
Separation is painful, so we don't shy away from these truths. It's very important. It's very important, you know, when we reflect on uh, these experiences of life and when we experience uh, these, these truths that we acknowledge that they're painful. It's very important when we experience uh, sickness, aging, death, and separation uh, that we acknowledge that it's part of life and that it's painful and we acknowledge the pain. It's painful when someone that we care about dies. You know, we experience the pain of death and separation. We had a dear, 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 beloved member of our group who passed away uh, just about a month ago. Uh, Louise, who many of us know, some of us knew, myself knew very well, was very dear uh, to me and to many of us. And that was painful, and it is painful. You know, and I, feel, I can feel that pain of that separation and that pain of her death. I could feel it. I could feel it right now, in, in right, right here in my body. You know? This is part of the experience of sickness, aging, and death, is that we will experience pain. We will experience a certain pain, a certain amount of pain. So as Dharma students, of course, we develop skills, largely through meditation, uh, so that we can meet pain skillfully. You know, these, this, these painful experiences of life, of illness, aging, death, separation, uh, you know, are painful, but we learn to meet these experiences, we learn to meet this pain in a skillful way. Uh, you know, and, and, and you know, in, 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 in a large part of that is not shying away from it. You know, not shying away from it, not denying that there's pain there. There's pain there. I mean, our, you, know, and, you know, as we know, we talked about this last week, and you know, a lot of our, our suffering comes from denying that there's pain there and trying to get a, away from it, right? That tends to be our greatest suffering, is trying to get away from the pain that's there. So as Dharma students, we don't shy away from it. We acknowledge our pain. We bring awareness to it. One of the things that we try to do is we try to bring awareness to our pain as a felt sense in the body. Right? Just the way that I did, you know, I can feel this pain right here in my body, this quality of, you know, and sometimes we can label it, oh, there's sorrow, you know, or whatever uh, a label seems uh, appropriate or accurate for us. So the Dharma student, you know, brings awareness to the pain, the pain of these experiences, uh, but that awareness is informed by equanimity. Right? So, you know, in meditation, we're developing these qualities of concentration, you know, and, and that crowning quality is equanimity. Uh, and we're cultivating the heart and that quality of equanimity in the heart. So that means this pain is here that we experience. We experience the pain of sickness, aging, death, and separation as we go through this life, and we're all going to experience it. We're all going to experience the, the pain of these, of these truths. Uh, but when we have equanimity, we have some space, right? There's some space. There's some space. Uh, and there's acceptance. So we're able to accept this pain, understanding that separation is part of life. Death is part of life. This is the way it is. There's going to be pleasure and pain in this life. Acceptance is rooted in understanding. So when we have this quality of equanimity and we bring awareness to our pain, we can have a relationship to the pain that's skillful. 
I like to think about it this way, right? You know, we're not trying to change our experience. You know, you can try to get away from your experience and ignore your experience, but you can't change your experience. There's going to be, in terms of sickness, aging, death, and separation, it's, there's going to be pain there. So as Dharma students, we want to have a skillful relationship to this experience. Uh, and uh, uh, so, you know, what this means is that there's equanimity and that we have a relationship to this pain, we can be with it, which is kind of a little tricky terminology, uh, but that pain can be there and uh, without our adding on to it. You know, without our adding on to it. Without our adding on to it. And that's the key, really, of course, to having a skillful relationship to pain is not to add on to it. You know, and of course, the first way that we add on to it is not accepting it, right? So we don't add on non-acceptance to the pain. Uh, we learn not to add on a disliking of it, an aversion to it, and not wanting it. We learn through our practice not to add on uh, uh, through excessive thinking about our pain and the separation that we've gone through and the deaths that we've experienced in our aging. Anybody here engage in excessive thinking about aging? You know, about aging, anybody? Certainly the, uh, the, uh, you know, the senior citizens here. I won't ask you to show your Medicaid cards, but, uh, you know. Uh, so we don't add on the stories. You know, and how do, you know, I mean, you know, how do, I mean, this is a skill, you know, how do we do that? We keep it in the body. We keep it in the body, just the way I demonstrated. We don't add on the stories. We don't get lost in the thought worlds. Or this is what we're striving to do. You know, the, the fancy word in Buddhism is we don't cling. The pain is there, this inevitable, unavoidable pain of sickness, aging, and death, and separation. But we don't cling to it. We don't grasp it. We have a skillful relationship to it. Or we're gradually learning to cling less, to cling less and less and less. When we don't cling, there's no dukkha. There's no suffering. So there's pain, but there's no dukkha. There's no dukkha. Suffering is a tricky word, but you know, maybe the word dukkha is better. You know, what's dukkha? What's suffering? It means the heart isn't blocked. I mean, that's a good way to think about what suffering is. You know, when there's suffering, the heart is blocked. You know, when we're able to be with the experience of pain without clinging to it with space, the heart isn't blocked. So we want to have a relationship to our experience that's wholehearted, so our heart isn't blocked. So there can be this pain in life, as there is and there will be, but we, that doesn't mean our hearts have to be blocked. That means our, we can still keep the heart open. So we experience aging, illness, death, separation, but we don't suffer. We keep the heart open. We keep the heart open. That's our practice. That's why we practice meditation, so that we can keep the heart open, so that we can stay close to the heart. So these are, these are the truths that the Buddha asks us to reflect on. There is aging. We're subject to it. All beings are subject to it. There is illness, death. We'll be separated from all that's dear and appealing to us. And it's painful. These are painful experiences. These are painful things. We will experience pain. Or hopefully we'll experience it and not run away from it. And of course, the truth is there's many painful experiences in the human realm. You know, there's a lot that's unpleasant and painful in the world. I don't think I need to tell all of you that. 
You know, there's a lot that's unpleasant and painful in the world. Just turn on the television, you know, and you can see that. You know, there's a lot, you know, when we, the Buddha used this world, the, the term the world, he meant, you know, the conditions of the world, uh, the conditions of our lives and the conditions that we see in the world, but also the world is really uh, found in our, the experience of the senses. So there's always going to be painful, pleasurable and painful experiences in terms of all the senses. We're going to see things and hear things and smell things and taste things, hopefully not too many that are unpleasant and painful in terms of tasting anyway. Uh, so, uh, seems like kind of a bummer, right? You know, I mean, it seems like this is kind of a bleak prognosis. You know, there's sickness, aging, and death, and there's separation, you know, uh, and this is the way things are, and it really seems like, wow, there's, you know, this, there's a lot of reason to have despair. Yeah, there's a lot of reason to question, question the meaningfulness of life and the purpose of life, given what it entails and what we see in the world. I mean, I know, I know for me, you know, these days and probably for a lot of us, you know, uh, you know, you know, it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a wake up call for us who live in the West, you know, and sort of these affluent societies and well to do places that we live in. You know, it's like, you know, we've all gotten our asses kicked over the last couple of years, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, and, you know, it, we kind of really question perhaps, you know, well, what's the meaning of life if there's all this pain and suffering, and, you know, and I'm going to die and I'm going to get sick and I'm going to age and there's going to be separation. You know, what is what is the purpose of it all? Is there any meaning to this life? Now, the good news is, of course, that the Buddha offers us a way to transcend aging, illness, death, and separation. He offers us a way to transcend aging, illness, death, and separation. I mean, this is what he set to find out. Right? He set out to find, and he found it. You know? I mean, his big revelation was sort of like us. You know, He was in denial, just like we all are, about sickness, aging, death, and separation. He was shielded from it you know, by his, his father primarily. He was shielded from it, you know, and just like we shield ourselves and our culture shields ourselves from it. Uh, and then he realized, you know, as a young man, he was already into his late 20s, you know, that there is sickness, aging, and death, and separation. And he said, you know, it's the way I'm living is not fitting, you know, and I want to find, find out if there is a way to transcend sickness, aging, death, and separation, if there is a way out of this seemingly bleak predicament of human life. And he found that there was. He found that there was. And we find this way out in the fifth recollection. You know, it's like I always like to say, the Buddha doesn't leave you high and dry. You know, we reflect, there is aging, there is illness, there is death, there is separation. We'll be separated from all that's dear and appealing. But in the fifth reflection, he says, I am the owner of my actions, heir to my actions, born of my actions, related through my actions, and live dependent on my actions. Whatever I do for good or for evil, to that will I full heir. So what is he saying here? What is the Buddha saying here? You know, he's, he's basically reciting the law of karma. And what he's saying is, our happiness in this life is dependent on our actions and what we do. 
there is aging, there is illness, there is death, there is separation, there's all this painful stuff, but we can know happiness in this life. Happiness is to, available to us in this life if we take skillful action. If we take skillful action. Now, skillful action, of course, is action that's informed by compassion and loving kindness. Skillful action is action that's informed by loving compassion and loving kindness. So we can know happiness in this life if we take action that's informed by compassion and loving kindness, action that's informed by the heart. We're born of our actions. We're born of our actions in this life. So this often begins by learning to, you know, by learning to uh, relate to what's painful with compassion, right? So we learn to act in regard to ourselves and others with compassion, given the pain in life, given aging and sickness and death and separation. In many ways, skillful action begins here. So we relate to these experiences of life with compassion. That's sort of how we keep the door open. So if we can relate to the painful experiences with equanimity, with wisdom, with compassion, we can keep the heart open we can keep the heart open. You know, and that's how we kind of keep the heart open in the face of all these challenges through equanimity, these challenges of sickness, aging, and death. We keep the heart open by having compassion for ourselves and others. Uh, and if we can keep the heart open, then we can take action informed by metta. We can take action informed by metta, loving kindness. We can take action in this life in an effort to know happiness of heart. And that's really our task as Dharma students. That's what we practice for. We practice to know happiness in this life. We practice to know freedom from suffering and true happiness. This is the goal of the practice. We have a goal in this practice. You know, it's to know true happiness. Our task is to know true happiness, just like it was the Buddha's task. He found out how to do that. And our task as Dharma students is to do what he did. Not to think about what he did. I mean, not to you know, take, you know, uh, you know, joy in what he did. I mean, we do those things, but it's like what we do, and our task is to take action informed by the heart, by love, by loving kindness. So what does this mean? What does this mean? Well, that's really the question that you have to ask, you know? What does this mean? What does he mean by that? That sounds very abstract, and perhaps it is, you know? But, you know, this is the question, I'm not, you know, asking it, you know, the question rhetorically, I'm asking the question, you know, uh, I'm suggesting that this is the question that you have to ask yourselves. What does it mean to take action? What does it mean for me? What does it mean for you to take action informed by loving kindness? What does that mean specifically? It's like, I can't answer that question for you. you know, I can't answer that question for you. You're born of your actions in this life. Your actions will lead you to happiness or suffering. Sickness, aging, and death doesn't really have that much to do, do with it, you know? I mean, these are the experiences of life that are unavoidable. Your happiness is dependent on the actions that you take. You're born of your actions. So what does it mean to take action that's informed by the heart? This is the question that you have to ask. You know, this is the question that the Buddha asked. You know, he became fully awakened, but his, you know, we talk about this all the time, his, his, his journey wasn't fulfilled yet. He had to take action. So as he became awakened, you know, and as we're becoming, all becoming more awakened, right? 
you know, we're becoming awakened to what it is that we need to do to know happiness in this life, you know, and as he became awakened, then he had to ask that question, you know, and he said, well, I'm going to teach. I'm going to teach the Dharma. That's what I'm going to do, he said, in order to express myself with compassion and love in the world in order to make something of my life so that I'm born in this life, you know, that my, you know, I, happiness for me uh, uh, will be born through my actions and teaching. So, you know, uh, dare I say, I don't suggest that you all become Dharma teachers, you know. Uh, uh, you have to find your own journey, you know, your own journey and ask those questions. Uh, you know, as, as, as a teacher, of course, I like to give some suggestions. Uh, one of the, the sort of the models that I like to use of, of beings, you know, and this is sort of maybe in a perfect world, of beings who, uh, who take action in the world in support of the heart and love and loving kindness is the artist, right? You know, is the artist, is the painter or the poet or the writer or the musician who creates something. You know, we are born of our actions, who create something out of love, you know, ostensibly. You know, the pure artist, the true artist. Like somebody like Louise, you know, who made the most of her life by, by expressing her truth through her action in the world, in her art. You know, so, you know, <clears throat> the artist uh, provides a good model for us, you know. We try to follow the example of the artist in creating something something beautiful, something joyful, something true. You know, this is something that you all can do. You know, you all can do. You know, you're practicing meditation and the Dharma so that you can be awakened to what it is that you can do. I mean, you don't have to be a painter, you know? You, know, you don't have to be uh, a musician. You just have to create something. You just have to love to do something and do it and express that love in the world. I always uh, perhaps oft recited a uh, Dharma poem, which I've often uh, recited at retreats, uh, that speaks to this by Rumi. You know, today, like every other day, we wake up empty and frightened. Don't open the door to the study and begin reading. Take down a musical instrument. Let the beauty we love be what we do. There are hundreds of ways to kneel and kiss the ground. And it says it all right there. Every day we wake up empty and frightened. Who doesn't? Who doesn't wake up empty and frightened? You know, what we want to do is open the door to the study and begin reading or, you know, try to figure out what it is that we need to do or deflect ourselves from what it is that's going to really bring us true happiness in this life. Instead, take down a musical instrument, create something. Let the beauty we love be what we do. There are hundreds of ways to kneel and kiss the ground. You just have to find the way that you know, speaks to you and that resonates for you, because everybody's different. You know, that's going to be an expression to some extent of your karma. Louise's karma was as an artist. But you all have a karma that you know, will lead you to being able to uh, take down a musical instrument and let the beauty you love be what you do. There are hundreds of ways to kneel and kiss the ground. So to me, this is a good template for the day. Every day we wake up empty and frightened. You know, don't, don't go to the study and, and begin reading. Take down a musical instrument. Let the beauty we love be what we do. There are hundreds of ways to kneel and kiss the ground. You know, now, 
it, it helps to surround yourself with beautiful forms, with, with, uh, with art and with poetry, with things that you find beautiful that you can use as a template. You know, nature is, 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 you know, is, 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 is the, the embodiment of creation. Helps to surround yourself with beings who take action that's informed by the heart, who let the beauty they love be what we do. I mean, that's the blessing of Dharma groups, you know? I mean, that's one of the things I always loved about being in Dharma groups is, you know, there's so many people who do that, you know, so many people like Louise, so many artists and creative people, and, you know, but, and, you know, and, and who let the beauty they love be what they do. You know, but you have to find your own way and your own truth. You know, you have to find how to kneel and kiss the ground. You know, it begins by asking those questions, just like the Buddha did. You know, how can I express my truth? How can I take action that's going to be an expression of my heart? And then it's being heedful, looking at your actions. Are my actions, you know, an expression of love? Am I, am I being born, you know, in a way that's, uh, that's an expression of, of loving kindness? And then we have to take those actions. This is how we find happiness and how we find meaningfulness in this life. Now, I'm not going to say that this is easy. You know, this isn't a path for, you know, if you want an easy path, you know, 10 a.m. Sunday morning Eastern Standard is not the place to be. You know, this is not an easy path. Every day we wake up empty and frightened. You know, the Buddha. The Buddha decided, all right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a teacher. And most of you know this story. And then what came to his mind is, I don't want to do this. This is going to be too hard. People aren't going to listen to me. They're going to give me a hard time. This is going to be too difficult. That was the Buddha. You know, that was the Buddha. You're going to have those thoughts. You know, the Buddha was mindful and he saw those thoughts and he was able to put them to the side and, and, and move forward. So we're here today because of that. So it requires that kind of courage that the Buddha showed. But we have the skills, we practice the Dharma, so we can develop the skills so that we can do this. And we don't have to do it alone. You know, we have our Dharma communities, we're here for you. You know, the lineage of people that have been doing this for thousands of years, you know, is here today and continues to support us in our efforts. That's why lineage is so important, you know. It's like people have been doing this for thousands of years. We're continuing to do it. We're continuing to be here and to support you in doing this. We're here for you. You don't have to do it alone. You know, uh, perhaps what we often might want to say is, well, I'm too old. You know, I don't have the energy. You know, maybe if I was younger, I would do what you said. You know? You know, if we're older, we have something that young people don't have. You know, us, us senior citizens have something that people who are younger that don't have, a sense of urgency. You know, the fact that we're older is our greatest motivation. There's no time to waste. There's no time to waste. So, you know, this is our message. There is a way. This was the Buddhist message. There is a way. There is sickness, aging, death and separation. This is the way that it is. There is pain in the world, but happiness is possible. You know, it's up to you to take action. Your happiness depends on what you do.